Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Arcade Courts are a fantastic and prolific rock and roll band currently based in New York City. Since 2011, Parquet Courts have released a number of EPs and singles and seven albums, including 2018's explosive and daring record, Wide Awake, which was produced by Danger Mouse. Wide Awake is out via Rough Trade Records and will bring Parquet Courts to cities around the world on an extensive tour. Primary lyricists, singers, and guitarists Andrew Savage and Austin Brown made time to discuss Parquet Courts and Wide Awake with me recently in a rather extensive and wide-ranging conversation over the communication platform known as Skype. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and Planet of Sound locations in Ottawa and Toronto, and, of course, flexible monthly pledges by listeners like you at patreon.com slash Control. This is the 396th episode of Creative Control, featuring Andrew and Austin of the amazing band Parquet Courts, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Andrew, how are you? Hey, Vish, doing good, man. Great, great. And where where in the world are you? Uh, I'm at my studio in New York. That's nice. How's New York today? Beautiful. It's actually really lovely. It's it's a bit brisk, but it's it's nice and bright. Excellent. Yeah, we had a bit of an ice storm up here, and I'm calling you from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and it's a sudden, unexpected ice storm. Did you get that? Uh, no. Oh well, good Not for good, good for you. Good for you then. <laughs> we are we are suffering through this ice storm, but it's fine. Uh, and Austin, how are you? Hey, yeah, not bad, not bad. And where are you? I'm at home right now in uh, Brooklyn, New York City. All right, uh, how close are you to Andrew? 
Uh, I can't see him uh, or anything, <laughs> but I feel like if I shut it out the window, you couldn't hear me. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're you're far away from each other, but you're still you're on you're 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 both in New York, but you're far away from each other. How far away is the studio from your home there, Austin? Uh, not too far. I don't know. I think if I was running, I could maybe get there in twenty minutes. Nice. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's, that's great. That's great. That's great. It's great to have you guys on the show. I'm a big fan, and I want to get into uh, this amazing record, Wide Awake, in just a moment because uh, I'm I'm. As always, your music has captured my attention, but the lyrics are fantastic as well, and I want to get into that. But uh, for those who are unfamiliar with Parquet Courts, I thought we'd do a, a brief biographical overview and history of, of how you two uh, in particular met. Uh, Austin, do you want to feel this first of all? Do you recall meeting Andrew and how you two met? I don't know if I remember meeting, but I've told the story enough times to know how it happened. <laughs> we met uh, in college at University of North Texas in Denton, and uh, I think I responded to a flyer for a record listening club called Knights of the Round Turntable. Uh, <laughs> it's a club that uh, Andrew had started, and yeah, I, I showed up and and um, listened to records together and talked about it. It was a weekly thing, but we also lived in the same dorm together, and you know, had some lunches and and dinners together in the cafeteria and. You know, and then uh, we both lived there for about four years. And, yeah, so we met there, and, and we, we moved to New York separately. We never really played music together in Denton, but and Andrew moved to to New York. He just contacted me and, and, and asked if I wanted to start a band, and I said, yeah. And we just kind of got a practice space and, we're, and, and farted around the guitars for a while, and I don't know. I guess that was about eight years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Does that seem accurate to you, Andrew? That all checks out. Yeah, oh, okay. I was kind of going through it, and it's all factual. Okay, good. Thank you for fact-checking on the fly. Uh, Andrew, what, what yeah. possessed you to start this uh, this Knights of the Turntable? Is that what it was called? What, <laughs> what, what, Knights, <laughs> Knights of the Round Turntable, Vish. The I'm, round is the most important part. I apologize. I knew I had mangled it. Uh, can you talk a little uh, bit about what, what spurred that on for you? Just, you know, meet, trying to meet friends, really, uh, being in college and not knowing anybody and trying to meet like-minded uh, record heads. Okay. Now, that college, I was in Denton for a, a night once on a tour, and I recall mm. local people telling me that the, the college there was pretty, you know, music-focused on some level. I, I seem to recall some mention of Dave Brubeck being involved in the school or something. Is that is any of that check out? Brubeck might have been. I mean, it is uh, it is an insanely competitive music school, and it does have the first jazz studies program of any academic institution. Uh, a lot of people that come out of that program end up like being like session musicians or like late night band people or people in someone's like backing band. Like it's like uh, you know people come out really good musicians out of there. I know that Stan Getz was involved. Uh, in the school at some point in time and what faculty I, I can't say for certain but yeah Brubeck might have been it wouldn't surprise me okay and what were you studying there specifically Andrew I actually started off as music performance but I, I graduated with a painting degree oh okay fascinating and, and and you you continue to do artwork for your band and other things is that is that right yep yep yeah okay and Austin what were you studying at school 
Uh, I studied philosophy, drugs, and alcohol. Philosophy, drugs, and alcohol. Is that an actual course load that you can take in the in Denton? In a way, yeah. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't a- make it all the way through. <laughs> Did you create your own curriculum a little bit? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I... That's what I uh, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, you could say he was really studying after hours. <laughs> a lot of homework, was it? Is that what, what it's we're mostly disciplinary study? Right. Okay. So, uh, Austin, you mentioned that you, you didn't really start playing music together uh, until you got to Brooklyn. Uh, Andrew, what started that that notion of exploring, you know, uh, music together? Uh, well, I mean, I I'm I just moved to New York and. Uh, I needed a new, a new band. Uh, Austin was one of my only friends, really, at that time. Was there a particular reason you moved to New York? Not really. Just something new. Hmm. There was no, there was no person, no people. You knew Austin was there. That's about it. Well, no. I mean, I, I did have a good amount of friends there, but friends that like played music, that wanted to do a band, you know. Uh, Austin and I had already been talking about doing a band anyway before I moved there, like in preparation for me moving there. So I, I guess I moved to New York because, you know, I was on tour going through there a few times and it just seemed like, you know, I like there are some people I liked there. But, yeah, there was no like really career choice behind it, uh, not for a job, not for a girlfriend. Um mm-hmm. I guess I guess maybe I wanted to live in a place a bit more challenging than Denton, Texas. Right. Okay. That's fair. Now, Austin, in terms of the uh, nights of the round turntable, were there commonalities? Who curated the music at the at, at these gatherings? First of all, I guess that should be my first question. Was that primarily Andrew? I think we all took turns, and you know, yeah. each person was responsible each week for bringing a record. Yeah. Okay. And and did you quickly discover you had shared sensibilities? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, the music wasn't, um, so it was pretty diverse. It was, you know, all over the place. It was, you know, hardcore, free jazz, um, pop music, hip hop. Uh, I mean, it, it really ran the gamut. So it was just any given week, it could be any different kind of music. So, uh, I, I guess, yeah, I found some commonalities there in that. You know, we were just fans of music. Right. Now, Andrew, do you have any recollection of any specific records that Austin might have turned you on to when you had this record club? Um, it's pretty hazy. I mean, this is a long time ago. Right. You know, uh, it was a lot of it was a lot of very, very nerdy people <laughs> trying trying to make friends, really. A lot of us a lot of us didn't share common music tastes, but it was just, you know, it was it for for many of us and i would include myself in this it was our biggest social event of the week uh to be you know in the company of other people in relative silence you know it i can't remember i, I remember records that i heard there i can't remember who brought them hmm. i can't really remember the that i brought it's been well at this point we're talking 14 years ago Okay, no, that's that's totally fair, uh, Austin. I, I should ask you the same question. I, I understand it was hazy; it was a long time ago. But do you have any recollection of anything Andrew brought that uh, you were like, "Oh, huh, interesting"? Who who is this guy? Wh- wh- where do you find this stuff? I remember there was a Ornette Coleman record 
there's a Jackson Pollock painting on the cover. Yeah, I think um, I remember listening to that and like the first time I think I'd listened to like a free jazz record start to finish. And um, I guess that's when I, I kind of was, uh, I don't know, I, I guess enlightened a little bit the, to the kind of diversity of music taste in the room. I don't remember who brought that record, but, you know, maybe it was a jazz student. I don't know. Right. But okay. It was, uh, I think Andrew's right. It was, it was a long time ago, but, and uh, I think the, the people went there to just kind of, you know, listen to, listen to a record. And it wasn't necessarily about like what the music was. It was just kind of this organized conversation about music. Right. Okay. And, and I mean, it's, it's heartening to hear that that translated into a real friendship between you two. I mean, was, are you still in touch with other members of that, uh, of that crew of that, that gathering? Uh, I think just one, I think everybody else has kind of fallen off. Well, that's sad. That's too bad. I, I guess. <laughs> I've got a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then so you you begin to collaborate together. Is it it's just is it just you two initially that start to work together on on songs together? Austin? Kind of. I mean, yeah. it, it was kind of like that. Uh, I I, I, rem- I just remember Sean being unavailable for the longest time. He did move right when the band started. He did move to San Francisco for a few months. So it kind of was me in Austin for a long time. And we were actually already, he was playing live in my band called Fergus and Geronimo that I was in. So we were already kind of hanging around each other a lot. And the first practice we ever did with a drummer was with Jarvis Tavernier from Woods. Okay. And then I think after that is when my brother joined us. But it, I, I do recall, again, this is also hazy, but I do recall me and Austin just kind of just playing guitar together like for long swaths of time in the early days yeah okay okay and and austin uh is there a reason why things are so hazy is there anything that we need to know in terms of why things are so hazy in the in the memory banks is it just time hey man it's none of your business well i just I, <laughs> i'm following up on your studies I, I know you have this degree that's very unique and it's multidisciplinary i'm just i'm just curious yeah, it's uh, classified information. Classified information, that is fair. That is the state we live in now. Lots of classified information, uh, misinformation. I appreciate you, you know, just setting the record straight, so to speak, a little bit. Not really, but kind of. Yeah, I can say what I can say. What can I say? That's <laughs> all I can say. All right, well, it's a remarkable trajectory for the band, and I, I want to begin by, uh, I want to begin talking about this record, Wide Awake, because, as I say, I... I'm always uh, in in love with the music you guys make, and in this particular case, because we're speaking, I really delved into the songs a bit more closely uh, than maybe I have in the past, and I, I'm really struck by the lyrics here. Um, and I want to begin with the title, "Wide Awake," uh, Andrew. This is a it's a it's an interesting title given the times we live in, and then as people get through the, the go through the songs, it might resonate with them more. What does the title "Wide Awake" connote for you uh, at this point in time? Well, I guess that, uh, you know, that one is paying attention, uh, that one's, uh, you know, switched on. It's, it's kind of like saying, you know, bragging about being switched on. You know, you get it. You're with it. You're wide awake. Everything's so clear. And is this a, in, in any way a, a corollary to being woke, so to speak? Sure, yeah. There's a bit 
you know, people like to kind of brag about how woke they are these days, don't they? You know, it's 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 it, it is a bit tongue in cheek in that regard, I suppose. But also, uh, it, I mean, it is kind of you know supposed to reflect the actual kind of euphoric sensation of suddenly getting it all. You know. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, and Austin, do you have uh, thoughts on this 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 notion of being wide awake? Yeah. I mean, I think Andrew said it. Really, it's uh, it's it's a pretty straightforward concept. I think. What, do you, Austin? Do you feel like it was a, a, a reaction to anything in particular uh, that, that's going on right now? Is it a reaction to uh, you know sociopolitical concerns, or is there something that that is this something that arose out of conversations you might have had in the band or, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's um, really impossible not to react to the socio-political climate or you know, whatever you want to call it. Just the way the world is kind of filled with uh, darkness and, and um, anger and really hatefulness, I think. You know, it's just kind of permeating through sort of oppressive political structures and, and, uh, and, and, the, and the media climate and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it's impossible not to have some sort of reaction to those things. I guess it's really kind of irresponsible as an artist not to kind of comment on, on it. I mean, I just don't know too many people that are really happy with the way they're being represented in the, in government or, or media. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, um, I guess, you know, the, the presidential election in the United States is a, is a real, uh, catalyst for a, a lot of these feelings and people, uh, are, you know, causing people to reexamine, uh, how exactly we got to this point and you know what went wrong and, and I guess you know wide awake is about sort of waking up to this uh, you know present moment and and being aware of, of, of what's happening uh, Andrew I want to follow up on, on something you said there and it, it follows from what Austin was talking about a little bit too in terms of this potential for role-playing in this movement of being awake or awoke, uh, there's a lyrical part in uh, Total Football that I want to just read. I want to read for people mm-hmm. if they haven't heard the song yet. Swapping okay. parts and roles is not acting, but rather emancipation from expectation. Collectivism mm-hmm. and autonomy are not mutually exclusive. Those who find discomfort in your goals of liberation will be issued no apology. Fuck Tom Brady. Now, <laughs> that it's, it just struck me that that is a remarkable, uh, a few remarkable turns of phrase. Andrew, could you speak to where, where that section came from exactly? Well, I guess it's supposed to kind of, you know, the song is supposed to sort of be like this, uh, a bit like a manifesto, you know. It's got that kind of bold and declarative language, you know, with uh, each line emphasizing, you know, the, the larger ideology. Uh, you know, the song Total Football comes from a, you know, a, a sports theory, uh, association football theory called Total Football, um, which is basically stating that any player on the field can can do any position, do any role. You know, so that kind of, to me, was a good starting point to write a song that was broadly about the duality of collectivity and individuality and so those lines at the end that you read off, uh, th- those are kind of uh, made to be like a like a manifesto line like a line in like a new ideology uh, 
the, the song kind of has that sort of feel to it. You know, it's it's largely about, I think, this craving that there is with young people right now to unite under something collectively, uh, to have sort of broad ideology to uh, be a part of. And I think also, at the same time, looking for a redefinition of autonomy and not autonomy as it's been emphasized in American culture, typically, typically this sort of individuality uh, has been at the core of American culture. But I think there's a more nuanced version that can exist with collectivity that I think people are looking for right now, and that's that's what the song is speaking to. So, can you elaborate upon what you think that nuanced version of autonomy and within a collective consists of exactly though i mean i know you're you're putting these ideas out in a song and i, I know you're not um i mean maybe that's enough but i'm just curious since you bring it up i think it is enough really i suppose i could but uh <laughs> you know not it's you know it, it's it's I, I guess it's not my job to i, I wrote the song and i yeah. think the the second half of the bargain is for the listener to interpret it and apply it to their lives Okay, no, that's fair. Uh, I do want to ask about football. Maybe, I don't know, Austin, do you follow sports much, by the way? Yeah, these days I'm a big soccer fan, but I've been uh, kind of going in and out of different uh, different games. But yeah, really obsessed with soccer at the moment. Now, soccer, for those who don't know, is England's version of football. Yeah, something like that, sure. Well, I mean, I they, they call soccer football there. It's yeah, just... they do. You know, and it's weird because they actually came up with the word soccer. It's, it, it's what the game was called when it first started. So Then why do, they, why do they call it football? I mean, it is really a foot and a ball. There's no – I mean, football, as we know it, really should be called handball. But then I don't know what you'd call handball. Actually, no, that doesn't make sense because football, as we know it, in America and Canada, it is a bit of a hand and a foot. It's both. Yeah, it's an oblong ball. Right? That's right. That's right. And it, it's it's all ball, really. It should be all the body parts really are involved. But but you like soccer, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's that's, right. that's where we're getting to. I I do think football is has been in the news because of people like Colin Kaepernick. There's the protesting, the kneeling. Austin, do you have thoughts on on that phenomenon as it might relate to these movements that that Andrew was kind of discussing? This notion of a uh, a collective thing, but th- that's spurred on by individual concerns and, and how those two intertwine. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I think it's really indicative of just the culture that we're living in right now, where um, everyone uh, is feeling moved to protest no matter what their profession might be. Like, I think professional sports is conveniently tried to uh, push itself into like a non-political kind of entertainment realm. And I think Colin Kaepernick did a really brave thing uh, by drawing attention to uh, a really pressing issue in our country, uh, you know, police brutality and, and violence against black people. And I think that it was a uh, immensely successful protest as, as far as a peaceful protest can go. I mean, it gets people who are apolitical or people that prefer not to engage politic- in political conversations. It gets them thinking about what he's doing. And, you know, obviously there is a backlash against that. And 
and you know he lost his job because of that. And but I think that he did do he he took responsibility and started a conversation. And yeah, I think that it's really important that um, that people can feel inspired by that. Well, I have to say, I was a little surprised to see football politicized the way it was. Like it's gotten to the point where. When the Patriots make it to the Super Bowl, people are rooting against them along political lines, you know, because of Belichick and Brady, uh, their past support for the President Donald Trump. And I mean, Andrew, I, have to, I must ask, I kind of alluded to it. I know you don't want to elaborate too much on the lyrics, and that's that's fair. But why fuck Tom Brady at the end of Total Football? Well, I guess I should point out that uh, the chief football that's being talked about in the song is soccer. That's but- right. Yeah, that's right does say fuck Tom Brady. Um, that's nothing against Tom Brady uh, as a person. I don't know him. But uh, I guess it's about what Tom Brady represents, you know, the quarterback, the, uh, you know, the, the individual lone wolf, hyper-masculine male, you know. Hmm. That's, uh, you know, I, I think it's becoming harder and harder to find a sector of American society that you can truly be apolitical in. And so I guess right now, more than ever, like football is being focused on because of the actions of uh, Kaepernick, who would be the anti-Tom Brady, I think. And Tom Brady is he's representative of the old guard. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I mean, you I think this notion of individualism and 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 how that relates to the collective comes up uh, throughout the record on, on the next song, Violence. There's this lyric that struck me, my name belongs to us all, so if they ask for yours, give them mine, my name is a threat. This notion that we're in this together and I'm here for you, it's it's like uh, almost it has a military quality. It's like soldiers almost. Uh, I, I suppose so, in the sense that so, soldiers are mobilized. Yeah, yeah. So there's something going on here that I, I'm still pondering this. I, I find, it's, would you do, you, do you see this, Andrew, as a particularly outspoken parquet courts record? Well, I'd like to think they all are in their own way, uh, but it's it definitely speaks out on subject matters that maybe haven't been articulated in the way that they are on Wide Awake, especially the more political ones, sure. Yeah, so relatively speaking, something has changed within your collective mindset. Uh, I, I think that could be said to be true for the band, but also just the country at large. Yeah, yeah. Austin, is this moment in time or this recurring moment in time, if you will, this sort of low period it feels like in Western civilization? Has it impacted you as a songwriter? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's hard. It's hard for it not to impact you. I think that there's a the few songs of mine that ended up on the record tend to be more introspective, but I mean, I feel like it's all kind of under the umbrella of this uh of the current moment well don't, don't you feel that we're we've all become a little more introspective because of how doom laden daily life seems right at the moment i mean does that does that register with you austin yeah i would say that i mean i think it's it's kind of ties in with the, with the album title wide awake it's i think that this is presently uh, a cultural awakening and and it's a and it's a moment where people can look around at each other and their society but also themselves and how they impact the world and and how they impact the people around them and what they're doing 
now to to change things or or to keep the things uh, to preserve the things that, that they want to preserve and, and um, what maybe they've done in the past that could have contributed to the things we have now negative or positive and I, th- I think that's all part of it it's I think it's I think that's part of um, a cultural awakening is it's not only um, pointing the finger outside at people and blaming other people and being angry at other people, but also kind of looking inward and thinking, where do I fit in all of this? Well, I, one of the things I'm struck by on the record is this tension between mobilization and efficacy and futility. I mean, on the song Violence, there's this sort of matter-of-fact chorus, a cause and effect, a rejoice or regret, violence is daily life. On Before the Water Gets Too High, there's this uh, passage, if the, if the clock strikes midnight, then what becomes of our demonstrations? To which fate have these gatherings fell? It's like, we're doing things, we're aware that we need to be doing things, but what is this really accomplishing? Andrew, are you... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Sensitive to that tension? Is that futility, though? I don't think that's futility. Uh, uh, you know, the, the operative word being uh, if that happens. Uh, and, you know, it's before the water gets too high. So there is, I guess, just, you know, within the title, there is a, I guess, a small gap for optimism in there. Uh, I don't I don't really see either of those things as as futility. Okay. That's no that's fair. You you see them more as a, a further mobilization, optimism, uh strength actually, positions of strength. Well, I mean, to say that violence is daily life isn't say is isn't saying that you're comfortable with it. It's not saying that uh you you you've given up on change, but it's I think it's being matter of fact. It's frank. Violence is daily life in America. A promise, a pact the world never kept. I mean, there is anger there. There's res- there's sort of a resolve to, to change something, I think. Mm-hmm. And and that's what you're speaking to, this notion of, yeah, the optimism or the hope for change that is that is part of these movements. You, 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 that resonates with you. Of course. Yeah, you have to have optimism. Yeah. So you, you, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really interested in writing songs that are particularly pessimistic at the moment. I mean, that seems fair. <laughs> I mean, do, do you have your down days as a as a human being, observing everything that's going on? Sure, but of course I do. Um, but I did want to be more constructive when expressing anger on this record because it is it is a sensitive moment, and I, I you know I don't think any of the anger expressed on this record 
is non-constructive, except for maybe like, you know, uh, in and out of patience. But that is kind of a song about petty grievances. Uh, oh, any particular petty grievance? <laughs> that seems just to be about the horde of people that surround us every day on some level. Just the, the, the grind of living. Is that right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Was there any particular moment that sparked this decision to... Or sorry, I, what I should say actually is, have you in the past succumbed to anger in your songwriting? It, it, was it a, was this record a reaction to, and maybe an evolution in your in your ability to convey thoughts in your songs without resorting to to, to anger strictly? Well, uh, yes, I think after all, it is rock and roll. I mean, yeah, there's there's anger on every record, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it, it takes different it takes different forms. Uh, the idea in Parquet Courts is to you know, make a record that's unlike any of the other records uh, and to keep moving forward. And, you know, that's, I think, done just as much sonically as it is conceptually. Uh, as a songwriter, I want to be able to be versatile and not, you know, just have one trick, basically. So, uh, you know, I, I'm conscious of what I'm going to what I'm going to write about and how I want to do it. Yeah, that's that's fair. Austin, I want to ask about, speaking of sonics, uh, the gang vocals in Parquet Courts always intrigue me because there's a very specific approach to them and I, maybe it's uh, something you don't think about too much but they, they it occurred to me on this record that gang vocals are always something that are a bit of a hallmark for your band do you have any um insight as to your approach to to yelling certain things together <laughs> uh you mean like t- technically how it's done or? <laughs> well technically and just as an approach as an as an emphatic aspect of a song uh because it's always it's always kind of fun. In this case, the things you're yelling uh, together or saying together uh, aren't always, you know, light and fun. But there is something about a gang vocal that there's a triumphant aspect to it, even when you're singing about something dark. So I was just curious about, yeah, not necessarily technically, but but maybe even just as a decision. Yeah, I think um, th- this record it's really emphasizes the 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 mood and the feeling of uh, a lot of the songs, especially the more socially conscious or angry songs or I think it's about like being collective and kind of joining in literally a chorus of uh, emphasis and um, I think that I don't know I guess the goal of a lot of songs sort of sound like what the song is about sound like sound like what we're about presently and I think for the idea of a group of people collaborating around a singular idea or movement is is a large part of the theme in Wide Awake. And the gang vocals really emphasize that. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, do you have any uh, further thoughts on that, on, on these gang vocals? That's basically it. Our voices unified together. Yeah. So there's a humanistic aspect to the record, obviously, but I also feel that there's an exploration uh, about sort of our robotic world a little bit. When I think of a song like Normalization, which wonders, do I pass the the Turing test? I mean, Austin, you have a song here called Back to Earth. There's kind of this alien notion going on, I think, throughout this record, too, because we are these cyborgs now, I think. Is that something you were interested in exploring, Andrew? Uh, not really. No, I wasn't really thinking of that, but that doesn't mean, you know, doesn't mean that it's incorrect. Uh, now, normalization uh, is, for me, kind of chiefly about deciding what you consider an acceptable level of normalcy in your reality and you know, what 
uh, what degree of, you know, outrageous change can you take? But in a reality that's sort of viewed through telephones and computers, are you are you conscious of that yourself as a person? Like, oh, my God, like everything I do as a human interaction is mediated by machines or a lot of what I do. Even now, as we're speaking, we are mediated. We're having a human conversation, but we are often mediated mm-hmm. by technology. Does that concern you? Does that interest you in any way? Yeah, it does concern me. Uh, you know, it's kind of the reason why I live my life a certain way. I mean, I do have technology products, but I don't uh, really do the social media thing. I don't have a smartphone. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's on my mind. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's the pros and cons to it, but mostly I'm just kind of scared of it. Yeah, I think it's played a role in the kind of mobilization that you're writing about, don't you think? I bet so. I mean, it seems like a lot of ideas are spread that way now. Yeah, yeah. And Austin, my understanding is you're kind of the resident hip-hop expert in the group. Is that right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, we all like hip-hop. Uh, um, I guess I've been known mostly for um, kind of my evangelism of Houston rap music, which you know I've been kind of at for a while. What about what about someone like Cool Keith? I was listening to Back to Earth, and I thought of Cool Keith for some reason. Huh, yeah, Um like, that's int- I, can, I can hear that, yeah. Dr. Octagon, that's, Black Elvis kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of was hearing, like, Dr. Dre a little bit. There's, but, a, uh, there's a Dr. Dre part, I think, in violence. That's what I thought. There's, like, a breakdown. Sure, yeah, there's that, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think um, that, that kind of stuff uh, sort of creeps in in interesting ways. And um, I'm always tempted to go maybe a little bit further than is appropriate or that sounds good and so i kind of <laughs> like to you know I, I, whenever i'm writing music for a song and it starts sounding kind of hip-hop then i to take it to kind of an absurd level and then dial it back a little bit you know to taste uh, but yeah i think like that kind of stuff is is those references are um at least fun to play around with it's like definitely like a distinct flavor and can be really interesting when used appropriately. Well, yeah, and I bring it up as a segue out of our conversation about machines and robotics because hip-hop is an electronic musical form ostensibly. So I I just, it seemed like it it does give your your music a little flavor and it it kind of distinguishes some of the, the songs that are more, for lack of a better term, punk rock, indie rock, whatever, and then you have these flourishes that that give it a kind of technological aspect too. It's one of the joys of listening to your band. Yeah, I guess um, I don't know how much I I buy into the distinction between um, like human music and like machine or technology kind of uh, as like a distinguishing factor because for me that they're just tools and when you use them the right way, it sounds human. And it sounds like music. And whenever you misuse the tools and let the tools do too much of the work, then, yeah, it sounds uh, contrived uh, and inhuman and more like mechanical. But I think like just to use those kinds of tools, um, you know, just like we're using you know, Skype or, or the Internet or whatever to have this conversation, it's still a human conversation, just like using you know, electronic instruments in a 
in music doesn't necessarily make it like machine music. No, but I mean, when I brought up the gang vocals, I was thinking specifically, they come up throughout the band's catalog, but I was thinking of Total Football because there's this, I guess it's a, a chorus or a series of choruses where you're all yelling things like rebels, teachers, you know, strikers, sweepers, better protected, workers, authors, right. poets. That has a drone-like robotic quality to it. And, you know, <laughs> Andrew was talking about the unified front that it presents, but I, I can't help the way the cadence and the way it's sort of phrased Andrew, it makes me think that you guys are a gang of robots. Okay. I'll it sounds care. like it might be more about you than us. No, this all of this is really more about me than you, I think. <laughs> it's my reading and interpretation of what's going on on this remarkable record. I would say that's true. I would say that's, yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's kind of why I don't really like to... I mean, that's that's great. I like to hear stuff like that. That's why I don't really like to spoil that by you know telling people what a song is, you know about or whatever I, I i love that you've come to that conclusion yeah it's not really, it's not really what we were thinking but i i like that you that you got there yeah, yeah I, I i inspired a thought in you and a feeling and and you kind of and made uh, this imagery around it i guess that's the success really yeah yeah, yeah I, i've encountered this i don't i try to do these little lyrical exercises from time to time with people when when i'm really grabbed by something they've they've written or sang or said and uh, it is interesting because I know that the lyric is is potentially the end point of a conversation uh, from the songwriter's point of view. Like the rest is up to the other half of the conversation is for the listeners, I guess, is what you're saying on some level. But then I have this rare opportunity because I have this show and I do this work that I can talk to people about it. So I can't help but I hope you're not offended that I'm asking you these questions. <laughs> no, I'm not offended at all. I think I think it's interesting Okay, good. That's 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 that that helps me a lot. Now, I do want to ask about something that's amused me among the things that amuses me on the record. Can Andrew, can you speak to Freebird 2? This song Freebird is has this weird life in our culture. People yell at its right. bands, you know, they as kind of a, a, a heckle. Why why do you right. have a song called Freebird 2? It's just yeah, uh you know, we get that heckle and I think someone said when we were listening back to what was then a nameless song. Someone was like, this sounds like Freebird Part 2. You know? <laughs> was that meant to be an insult? No, I mean, it does sound, it does have that vibe. I, I mean, I guess it, it, it depends on how you feel about Leonard Skinner. Like, I mean, you know, and I guess, you know, Freebird is a bit like, uh, you know, Stairway to Heaven, you know. It, it's so ubiquitous that it's become annoying. But when you, you know, you, when you put it on its own, it's not a bad song. Are you guys particular fans of, of the country rock? Because there's a couple of instances on this record. The, the song Mardi Gras Beads reminds me of a, a Canadian band called the Sadies, actually. I don't know if you know them. I mean, I like country and I like rock, so... Austin? I'm not really familiar with the Sadies, but... Uh, are, you familiar is... with, uh, are you familiar with Leonard Skinner? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> uh... uh not like a huge Skinner fan, really, but yeah, I guess Mardi Gras beats. Um, you know, I never thought of it as having a uh, sounding like uh, country western at all. But uh, I did use a lot of country, like Nashville style production techniques on that song, so it has kind of that like shine over top of it a little bit so i can kind of see where you're coming from there it's also a bit meta it feels to be like a, a song about songs or songwriting even 
Yeah, you know, it's um, interesting you picked up on that. I kind of, I, I guess, like, really, it's a song about um, me, kind of, and uh, and and really, the the, the song is, is about committing to the idea of myself, and committing committing to committing to yourself for better or for worse. You know, just kind of understanding your successes and, and your downfalls, and it is meta in the way that. It, it references a, a lot of songs that I've written um, for Parquet Courts in the lyrics, and also there's um, there's a lot of um, musical sort of uh, lingo yeah. uh, mixed yeah. in there. And yeah, you because know, I I am a musician after all. Yeah, it makes sense. You write what you know. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I guess I I was, I was um, thought it'd be clever to, for like the the heads out there to sort of reference um, songs that I had written or featured on other records. Yeah, no, it's, it is cool and it's intriguing. It's like a little, uh, what they call an Easter egg, so to speak. Exactly. There are exactly. Some, there's some Easter eggs in there. Well, unless people think that this is some down and, and, you know, mopey record, uh, uh, the title track wide awake is like a party song. There's, there's a party aspect to this record. Is that fair to say, Andrew? You could you could put it on at a party, sure. Are you saying I should I could specifically do that? You're giving me permission. Well, one could. Okay. <laughs> Anyone could put this on at a party, and it would work. I think so. I mean, especially Wide Awake. Wide Awake is great. Where did that? Uh, it's got kind of for those who haven't heard it yet. It, and I don't I don't know if you're fans necessarily, but it has like a, a Talking Headsy vibe. Maybe is that fair? Sure. Yeah. The, the, the Talking Talking Heads got had their moments of funkiness, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. And and it, it it reminds me of that a little bit in, in, in its sort of rallying spirit as well, if that's fair to say. Austin, do you have anything to say about Wide Awake? Yeah, great tune, man. Tune. <laughs> tune, as they say. You know what that's, that's what they say now when there's like people like a song, like tune. That's like, right. One word, definitive, declarative, tune. Wide Awake, tune. <laughs> Well, listen, I uh, I appreciate you both engaging in this conversation and, and your attempt to search for reason in the chaos dimension of our time. That means a lot, and uh, the record's fantastic. What I know you guys tend to uh, make these records, and then shortly thereafter there seem to be other releases. Are there plans uh, afoot for other Parquet Court stuff? Or And within that, I know I've been all over the place a little bit here, but if you have anything further you want to add about Wide Awake that we haven't covered, please feel free to say that. But because I don't know if the the potential uh, extracurricular material might be related in tone or content to what we're talking about here. So after that convoluted question, let's begin <laughs> to unpack what I've said. Andrew, is there more material forthcoming by Parquet Courts that we can expect? And within that, is it related to anything that's occurred on Wide Awake? I'm going to have to plead the fifth on that, Bish. I don't uh, understand why you can't tell me things. Austin, you too? Um, I will tell you what should be uh, already uh, popular knowledge now is that we've got a 7-inch for Mardi Gras Beats uh, coming out on Record Store Day Okay. with um, an unreleased B-side track called Seems Kind of Silly. So new song there on the B-side. Um, that's for Record Store Day. Okay. So okay. You can, uh, you can, that, that'll be our, our next... Uh, physical release, yeah. Andrew, your band is is really generously prolific. I would say. Does is there any uh, particular artist that has inspired that that notion within you to just 
have all of these things for your fans and, and, and to continue to just make as much music as possible? Sure, yeah. Uh, I I like, yeah, I, I guess I like bands with um, a lot of material and kind of have these long careers. Like, uh, you know, I like, I like, uh, well, bands like The Fall, uh, bands like Sparks or Sonic Youth or I guess even Beastie Boys, uh, bands that have these decades long careers with like so much choose from in different eras and uh you know I, I could see parquet courts becoming a band you know with 30 records that uh you know you don't know where to start but there's a kind of a wealth of material and there's these there's different moments in time in the band that you can appreciate and, you know maybe similarly moment decades where the band sucks uh, and then they come back around you know is there a certain urgency within you to to do as much as you can uh, with this band while you can like I think of this song in and out of patience and I can't help but interpret it because that's what I've been doing today I can't help but interpret it being a, a, a rather personal admission about your relationship to patience but uh, do you think that sense of urgency is kind of translated into being as prolific as possible and being as creative as possible with this group of people while you can you know I'm, 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 I'm the kind of guy who has a hard time just really sitting still mm -hmm. uh, at, at the moment working on uh, packaging for a few different upcoming like auxiliary releases on parquet courts and then working on a total football zine and you know music and visual art as well I just uh, I just someone who likes to keep going on things and then uh, as a band we tend to you know write at the pace of our own inspiration and not for any like you know cycle around a record so you know songs come when they do uh, there's usually way more songs recorded for any given record that end up making it on there. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, that, that gives uh, those other songs a chance to be on the next record or on B-sides or singles or something. But, you know, also it's, uh, it's a good way for the band to stay busy and keep touring, uh, keep releasing things. And, yeah, that's important to tour. Austin, is there any part of you that wishes Andrew would just sort of slow down a little bit, you know, just, just, just calm down a little? Hey, man, it's not even worth thinking about. <laughs> Can't stop this guy. <laughs> okay, well, it's amazing. It's an amazing body of work already, and like I say, this record's fantastic. Uh, where can people learn more about Parquet Courts? It's it's a little bit mysterious, I find, the band, a little bit mysterious, even though you're, I mentioned the spirit of generosity, still mystery. Where where do, where should we send people to learn more about the band and the new record? Austin? Good. Uh, Andrew? Sorry. I was going to they go to roughtraderecords.com you know i'm sure there's some sort of section on the website that tells people what they can do okay roughtraderecords.com for more information about wide awake and your tour dates are coming to canada right yes yes we are that's exciting uh and i i don't remember all the dates off but that'll be at roughtraderecords.com too right I bet it's there. I, i'm sure it's there i'm sure it's there i know you're not on the internet much andrew but i think it's probably there we should get our own website I, yeah. If, if it wasn't there, I would I, I would just call them up and make sure they put those Canadian dates. <laughs> I could make it happen. <laughs> okay, well, rough trade. I've got that kind of cloud over there. <laughs> Is there uh, one song that we can play for people to go out on uh, here from this record? Uh, who should pick? Who wants to pick? Why don't you decide amongst yourselves who's going to pick, and maybe we can come to some consensus. Right. The with a song to send the send this interview out on. That's Maybe what I. The last song on the record. Tenderness, I believe, is the song you're referring to. No, is it? Yeah. Tenderness. Okay. Why did you pick? The last 
record, and it's the last song of this interview, I guess. Yeah, okay, so it's just there's a finality to tenderness. Sure. Okay, yes. <laughs> all right. This is Tenderness by Parquet Courts. Uh, Andrew Austin, this was a huge uh, pleasure for me to, to speak with you. As I say, I'm a fan. Thank you for this, and best of luck with everything going forward. All right, thank you, Vish. Thank you very much. Have a good Bye-bye. one. your clocks old stubborn heads we are the answer to why they never had a chance it was not so long ago that the world was mostly slow the age of iron screaming speed turned a stroke to a stampede but we've come to increase time in between tips and there's romance in the slow dances cause they're fertile and hush Hey, special thanks again to Andrew and Austin of Parquet Courts for being on this, the 396th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify and YouTube and Audio Boom as well. If you can't find an episode of the show that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter... 
please visit my website, vishkana.com. That's V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative, or follow me at Vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at CFRU.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, thanks again to all of you who have been uh, going to patreon.com slash creative control and making flexible monthly donations to keep the podcast going. It is very much appreciated, and I, I really can't thank you enough. Just had a just had a pledge from a fellow in Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you, fellow in Boston, Massachusetts, for making this pledge. I don't want to, you know, spoil anything. I don't want to out you by name, but I thank you very much for your pledge, and uh, thanks to everyone else. Again, if you haven't done so already, patreon.com slash creative control consider pledging to the show to keep it running i'd like to take a second to thank all the people who support the show with the in-kind sponsorships and, and other kinds of support thanks to, to the entertainment one crew and the cfru crew for their support of the show thanks to my pal jim guthrie uh, he lets me use uh, the instrumental version of his song the rest is yet to come to end the show each week i'd like to thank you of course for listening to the show and telling people about the show and Hopefully giving it nice ratings and reviews and all that stuff. That means a lot. And that's it. That's all I have to say. I appreciate your support, and I hope you'll continue to listen to the show. And if you're new to the show, welcome. There's been 395 other episodes of the show. Dig in. Let me know what you think. And I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.